Welcome to Highway Diary. I'm your host, Eric Hollerbach. With me for the second time, this is Highway Diary, episode 389 with Craig Pasta Jardula. How are you? I'm doing amazing, Eric, and it's always awesome uh, coming on your show. The first time, I really did have a blast. I learned so much about you, uh, and I just got to say I'm back here, and I love you even more than uh, I love you there. And I only loved you a little bit. Now I love you a lot of it. I think that uh, you're doing a great job over here. It was an interesting show, great questions, and uh, I'm just excited to do it again, my man. Thank you so much. Yeah, I've been uh, I've had like this weird thing. I've had two friends die in the last two months. And so I've been like, what does it all mean? Like, you know, and like comics killed themselves. And, and I'm like, what the fuck? You know, so I realized that like I, I have like much more balance in my life. So I took like two weeks off from doing this podcast because I, I needed some time to like kind of sort my life out because I feel like a lot of the comics have this thing of like, go, 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 like go out seven nights a week. And it's like, okay, are you calling your mom? Are you eating? You know, do you have loved ones in your yeah. life? You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. Wow. Now, yeah. <laughs> so, and yes, I am calling my mom. Yeah. I'm calling my dad. My mom and I are beefing a little bit. Uh, I yeah. beef with my mom so much in my life because we had so much of the same personalities. My dad's no longer here. Neither is my stepfather. And I had great relationships with them. Um, but my mom is truly an inspiration. And, uh, you know, even though we have beefed, I just push through it and call her because I know she's not going to be here for much longer. You know, she's 80 something odd years old. And, uh, you know, I just try to cherish the times I have with her. But I know I understand the beefing part, too, as well. Uh, and that's because you care. Right. When you care about somebody, the you know, the beef can be so much more because you actually are emotionally invested into it. So. Yeah. yeah. And it's like this, I get triggered easily from all, from, you know, the way I was raised and, the, you know, anyway. Yeah. Let's talk. Well, so they also do, Eric, they don't realize the times we're in. They don't understand what we're going through. They don't understand. Like, it's not like, you know, they were, they were brought up, they were brought up in a time as that if you keep your, your head down, you work hard, things will come to you. You can do that nowadays and things will not come to you because there's mass suppression uh, going on for what we're doing. Anytime we try to speak, our voices are hidden. Uh, and the first thing they want to do that means that is the ruling class is kneecap us and make sure that we're not financially capable of, of going on and doing what we're doing. So it's a different world we're living in than the, than the world they grew up in. And sometimes they have a hard time understanding that. Yeah, I just I live in a very shanty apartment and I learn to like have a very low overhead to function long term. You know, I I was telling the story to my friend the other day that like I once like mowed lawns, I rake leaves, I did this and that, and I got like thirty dollars together. And my parents took me to the toy store, and I I was like, man, I got you know, I did like four hours of work for this thirty dollars, four for thirty. You know what I mean? I go in the yeah. toy store, I buy a piece of shit, I get home, and I was frustrated with this toy I bought after. 10 minutes and i go i got 10 minutes of joy for 30 dollars for four hours of labor labor that literally broke my brain where it's like ever since i'm like fuck materialism it's bullshit i figured it out when i was 10 yeah you yeah, should see yeah. the girls i date they, they haven't figured it out yet anyway um <laughs> there's other joys you can bring to them eric they'll figure that out sooner or later <laughs> I'll see. I know, but I have a small penis, so that I can't, you know. Yeah, but you have a very big tongue. So <laughs> that's true. We did. We made out at Rebel Square. You, you, <laughs> um, you might yeah. have figured something out when you were ten. You got to figure something out when you're fifty. You know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was saying off air. I'm so happy for you. You know, when we met at Rebels for a Cause, we had breakfast every morning together. We had like deep, sincere conversations, and you know. Yeah, you're just a great dude. Yeah. I want you just got back from Hawaii. You filmed this whole documentary secretly called Lahan on Fire. All of a sudden, it goes through my YouTube feed. I go, What? What? I watched it immediately. Oh, no, you texted it to me. And it was so fucking good. And I just remember thinking that, like, for years, ever since we acquired Hawaii, we've been using it as a pawn and a global chess piece. We were like, well, you know, the creepy weirdos who run society wanted us to get into World War II. And we're like, no, let's take care of our homeless people here. And then 
all of a sudden it got bombed. Pearl Harbor was bombed. And it's like, well, now we have to, you know, nudge, 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 manufacturing consent for war. Then, you know, some developers went down there trying to buy some land. And the locals were like, no, we have these land rights. And they're like, yes, but what if we pay you this much? We have these land rights. No, get off. We we live here. Well, what if we paid you this much? No, get off. Then there seemed to have been some kind of crazy directed energy weapon attack to gain a function the locals to get out of their fucking homes so that the creeps can do smart city implementation. What did you learn going down to Lahaina? What did you learn filming your documentary? Wow. Oh, man, there's so much things to unpack. And, you know, it's funny. I just did this other show and we were talking about it. Is it a false flag? Uh, is it a controlled situation? Was it meant to happen? Uh, and I think a lot of the things, well, first of all, when I did go down to Lahaina, knowing all this stuff and everything we talked about, you know, we confirmed a lot of uh, stories that we had heard. A lot of stories were confirmed. Stories like the water was turned off, confirmed. Stories that the police were blocking people in, confirmed. You know, and we learned this from talking to the locals there, the people who were in Lahaina. And, you know, when you saw the video, you probably saw a lot of the actual people, uh, uh, the citizens of Lahaina that were there. And some of them, their houses were okay. Some of them, they lost their houses, uh, but they were able to survive the fire. Uh, and I wanted to concentrate so much because anytime you look at these situations, and if you're even looking at the situation where, you know, everybody's talking about Israel, Palestine, and Hamas doing this, did they know this was going to happen? Did they let it happen so they can get to their next stage of, uh, of whatever they want to do, this time of acceleration to move us into smart cities and central bank digital currencies, which I certainly believe they do want to do that. But how do they implement these things when, really, to tell you the truth, it was set in play for quite some time? When it came to Lahaina uh, specifically, you know, the conditions that led it up to be a tinderbox, which it could just engulf in flames like that, were set in motion quite some time ago. So I don't know how, you know, the game was being played, the long game. But for many years, there was water diversion, you know, uh, to these areas of Lahaina that, that was diverted into the golf courses and the ritzy areas. Uh, it's not just as simple as that, too, as well. There's nuance to those stories. Um, and, you know, they're not getting the answers because they're 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 shielding people from speaking about that. In particular, this guy, Men, uh, Men I, I, uh, Kaleo Manuel, I think his name is, who was one of the water czars of sorts. He had this position. Uh, when it came to talking about water and whatnot and how water was to be distributed, they've sacked him, the, the state has, and they've demoted him to an undisclosed location, and they will not let him testify, so they're not getting these answers. But digressing back to the fact that this is years, when the sugarcane industry left in 1999, they stopped, you know, uh, they diverted water from those areas that they used to, to irrigate it to other areas. They had grass that they brought in from Africa to feed the cattle. The certain cattle was there years ago. Uh, that is not indigenous to the island. That is very flammable. So for years and years and years, they've let these conditions go. Not to mention, Eric, in 2018, they had a fire that should have been a warning sign to them. Um, but they had a fire, uh, and, and they didn't do anything. They didn't change anything when it came to their crisis situation. So, I mean... There were so many things that were set in play where I didn't concentrate on how the fire was started. You know, a tinfoil hat dude told me, he goes, why would I use a direct energy weapon? Why would I use a, a space laser when I can just go up to the hill and drop a flare? And with those winds, it would just go crazy. And so to me, the most, you know, aspect that was I was most curious about how the fire started was the winds itself. So out of all the conspiracy theories, I would probably look into weather modification before I looked into space laser or direct energy weapon or whatnot. But like I said, it was years and years in the makings to set the conditions for Lahaina to be a tinderbox in which this could happen. Now, same thing when it comes to Israel-Palestine, same thing when it comes to Lahaina, same thing what happens when it comes to Ukraine's part of Ukraine. When these situations happen, when these crises occurs, there's a whole apparatus, there's a whole mechanism, a system that's ready to come in, start swooping in, taking the land, grabbing the land, and putting forth whatever they want to put forth. When it comes to Lahaina, the Governor Green, two months before this fire, he was the keynote speaker at the UN for 15 Minutes Sustainable Cities. So there's so many damn coincidences. Even the, the, the chief, the goddamn chief, was the same. he was the same chief in Vegas for the Vegas shooting. So there's so many different coincidences 
that, you know, that happened over there that where you just make you want to scratch your head. But like I said, it was years in the making before for Lahaina to be a tinderbox for this to all take place. So it does have your head scratching. And I concentrated on, well, what could we do to help the people now? What could we do? Because it's obvious to me, it's like this managed, orchestrated gentrification. There's there's a lack of transparency of what took place during the fire, what place took place before the fire, where these people are invested, meaning the lawmakers, are they invested into these UN entities? You know, we have to look at these things. Uh, and uh, I said to myself, it's better for us to concentrate on how we help the people there in Lahaina today stay there, how we can tape it up, how we can put a Band-Aid over it, uh, and how we can provide direct mutual aid and assistance to them. I concentrated on that aspect uh, more than the other aspects. Wow. Um, was there... Oh, that wasn't too much. I know that no, was a lot. it's a lot. No, um, I also heard that like some of the gas lines were eroded from just like the saltwater environment as well. So like, but I also heard that like the smart meters could be like, like I just imagine like some creepy weirdo in a control room just like going, bloop, <laughs> bloop. Because when you digitize your gas line to a smart meter, I mean, it's, it's, someone's got the button on the other side to just have a spark plug in there. I don't know. I just... Um, so let's focus on one aspect. What happened to the water right as the fire started? That's a good question. That's a question I've been asking. And in the film, I don't know if you remember, there was a young lady named Tia Leah. She's actually been doing a lot of investigating and studying. Uh, she has a substack. She's a journalist. And she's been doing a lot of investigating on the Bill Gates mosquitoes they're about to let loose there in Maui. Um, they're saying they're having an issue with their mosquito population and they need to, uh, I don't want to say, the, I don't think the term is euthanize them, but sterilize them of sorts and produce these other mosquitoes that have been, you know, genetically modified to go out there and mate with the other mosquitoes so they can't, you know, populate as much, repopulate as much. I don't know what the word is and stuff. So she's been doing a lot of looking into that. Well, she's concentrated when it came to the Lahaina fires, she's been concentrating on the water. Also, John Leak is another guy uh, who helped co-author uh, Dr. McCullough's book and write, writes with his substack? He's been looking into the water, and I had him on the Jimmy Dore show um, before, and I interviewed Tia Leah. That is the big million-dollar question because the, the guy who I talked about, that Manuel Kaleo dude, he has been demoted to an undisclosed location, and they're not getting the answer. So the citizens have been showing up saying, you don't have a right to fire him. They're like, we didn't fire him. You don't have a right to demote him. We want him back here. We want answers. And they want to know why the water didn't work. They haven't gotten those answers. And there's a lot of suspicions that somehow that water was turned off because the answers, the and it's there's nothing official on it, right? These, these are kind of like answers that have come out of uh, city council meetings or press conferences where they've said, well, the other houses that caught on fire first, their water pipes were leaking out water. And that, therefore, the water pressure went down, so it didn't go to the other fire hydrants down in Front Street and Lahaina and whatnot. Some people are saying the electrical grid was all messed up, uh, you know, and that's why the water didn't work. But they haven't gotten a firm official answer on that. And there's a lot of people who have suspicions for some reason that, like, that water was turned off. Because if you do want to grab, have a land grab, the easiest way to do it is to have land that is not only just burnt up to a crisp and gone, but if nobody claims that land, right, if the owners are gone, well, then it's easier to obtain it, right? So the bankers, somebody... the bankers have squatters yeah. rights. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, Eric. Exact. I'm going to use. Can I use that? Yeah. Um, the bankers have the squatters rights. Thank you. So the most damning thing that I think of your whole the whole fucking thing the most damning thing from your documentary lahana on fire was such a simple thing but some guy took a bunch of photos of the fires while they were happening they're deleted from his own cell phone who went yeah. what government official went into that guy's phone and went nope nope this is evidence nope 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 fuck man that's scary man Happened to me in night. Happened to me in January sixth at the Capitol. All my videos and footage are gone, Eric. You know what I'm saying? All are gone. And if people, you know, I showed up there because I was trying to speak. Uh, I'm an election integrity activist. That's my main field of play. That's my main area of knowledge. And even though it was a Trump election, you know, there was a lot of people, people like me, people like Tim Canova, who were ex Democrats, in which we could speak. You know, uh, 
fluidly on the election. So I showed up there for that re for that particular reason, hoping to speak at the Capitol during that rally. Uh, it didn't happen. Obviously, things went a little crazy closer to the Capitol, but the majority of the people who were behind the Capitol and back, and there was hundreds of thousands for them, were mostly peace-loving people, uh, uncles, aunts, daughters, fathers, the whole nine yards, senior citizens. Um, but either any way you look at it, I started filming on my phone little videos here and there, and uh, several uh, about a month and a half later, I went back in there to look because we were kind of going through our footage, and uh, all the footage was gone. It was almost like a month of footage in January, completely wiped out, completely gone. So somebody went through the back door, somebody who has the keys to the kingdom, said, oh, evidence, 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 let's get rid of it. it, it, it you know, they have that ability, uh, and that's something that we have to realize that, you know, those the people who have the keys to the kingdom can do those kind of things. So we have to find more clever ways to back our stuff up, hide our stuff, and just keep it valid because they did that to him. Uh, Kelly, his name was, they erased all his stuff from the fire. Like all my stuff was erased January 6th. Speaking of behind the curtain, the guys who have keys to your own cell phone, um, I, I imagine every house, you know, it's a physical house in the physical world. Behind the screen, the bankers look at who's paying the mortgage. I wonder if Lahaina from tourism being destroyed from COVID for two fucking years when Hawaii's entire economy is tourism, which, you know, people fly from New York City, L.A. and spend money in Lahaina, fly back home. They have a great time. That's the whole thing. I've been to Maui before. Um Behind the curtain, maybe the bankers are like, well, this resident's a deadbeat because they haven't paid their mortgage for six months. This they're, they're a deadbeat. So let's because according to us, we just we gain a function despair by destroying their way of life. And then and then they go, oh, who has got a smart meter? Bloop, bloop, bloop. Uh, you know, it's like that. That's my conspiracy now. It's like what? Ugh. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's 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 not far off. I mean, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Listen, all these all these factions that you're talking about, people who paid their rent, who didn't have their rent, you know, they knew who they are. They they understood they had a yeah. problem, right? And a lot of a lot of uh, vulture capitalists have tried to go and go into Lahaina and buy land for quite some time, and a lot of people dug their he heels and said, "No, we're not going to give up this land." Yeah, you know, Lahaina was the capital of the Kingdom of Hawaii before we colonized that son of a bitch. So, I mean, it, the significance of Lahaina, it's it's, you know, what I'm saying it. it it's it's very interesting because it's not it's not just like an isolated place. It's a specific special place, you know, and which they can do so many things with. And uh, there are people who wanted that land for quite some time. Powerful people. And uh, yeah, I mean, you have to put the pieces together uh, yourself. And I think it's you know, I think it's somewhere between A and B. A lot of people, you know, they they think it's you know completely conspiracy theory stuff off the rails space laser whatever the case it may be complete gentrification and then people think it's a natural disaster or whatnot I, I think it's somewhere in between there but either way this story is not going to you're not going to find a smoking gun eric and they're going to be like oh we found it there was there were some reporters who went down there like something's going on and i'm going to get to the bottom of it i'm like you ain't getting to the bottom of this right away homeboy this is something that's going to play out over the years uh, when it comes to the actual people of Lahaina being able to stay or get back their land or what happens to that land, if they do turn it into a smart city, how they rezone it, what electrical grid they put there, if not, if not, if they will, you know, ban gas stoves, the whole nine yards. This is going to play off slowly in the courtrooms and the city council meetings over the next several, several years. So it's going to take us highlighting this as it goes along. That's why I went to Eric. Right. Because people, you know, the mainstream media just packed up and went fucking home. It was like New Orleans all over again, where I saw Cynthia McKinney screaming like, no, there needs to be investigation on how this damn blew and how it blew into the poor areas. Now this area is going to be gentrified. Nobody's telling their story. They just packed up and they went home and that's it. And that's why I went to Lahaina. I was like, this is not over. These people have a story. They have a livelihood. Nobody's listening to them. Nobody's giving them the answers they deserve. I got to get over there and tell their story. And that's why I picked up and went. Yeah. No, and I used to live in New Orleans. And when, when you go down St. Bernard Avenue, one side of the road is generational manages, ma mansions that always pay their taxes. The other side, favelas. 
the favelas were wiped. They and I just someone was just yeah. like, bloop, you know. Yeah. Uh, what what I found beautiful about your documentary is the people have organized themselves in the time of crisis. The the amount of beautiful love energy emanating from these people with their their free stores giving out toothpaste and soap and water and you know just like how the organization happened um in response to the tragedy and going to two funerals I'm sorry I'm getting emotional going to two funerals in uh in the last two months I I just kept thinking you know for suicide I just kept thinking if, if we had organized this love before the tragedy like could it have prevented the tragedy if if the um if the people of Lahaina had organized themselves to like nip the bankers in the bud to to lynch them publicly to cut their balls off in the town square could would they have felt emboldened to pull off this fire if it was a controlled demolition of the Lahaina people for a land grab you know I always wonder like when you go to a funeral like that, it's like, if, if this love was there the day before they killed themselves, could that have been prevented? And then like this thing, you know, tragedy definitely coalesces people a- into a, a higher vibration. But like, if we live there, could we prevent this evil? Uh, you know, I, I went to a, a funeral on Saturday myself. Um, that's why I didn't kind of respond to the whole, it was really Palestinian situation when it happened um you know life is precious and you never know uh, and this is somebody who had cancer and it ha- it took him over so quickly and before you knew it he was gone um so life is precious and i understand what you're going through um as myself was very emotional at that 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 uh funeral and i was a little bit more emotional for different reasons because i was with the, a, a guy who gave this guy a second shot chance he was a convict was in jail for 32 years and my good friend happened to be his boss who gave him a job for the last 13 years of his life and i was there to support him and i i knew the gentleman so it was one of those situations and you can always sit there and and question what if what 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 could be i think the fact is that the majority of people on this planet not just lahaina eric but even the people here in the mainland even the people here in california even the people where you're at even the people where we were in tennessee are, are, are are loving people they really are I think that it's a shame that we're pitted at each other's throat and it distracts us from understanding who the real enemy is. But the people who are pulling the levers of power are some dark, dangerous people. Right. And um, I just don't think it's in the majority of the people's nature to do the things necessary to change the levers of power. And every single time we get rid of one you know, evil king, we, another evil king comes into their place. And that, you know, and it seems like that mechanism is way at the top is never touched. So I think first off, we have to have this kind of whole awakening of understanding who is at the top, who is the, who is the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain, right? Who's really pulling the strings. But even if we do, Eric, I don't know if we have it in our nature to, to, to do what's necessary to make sure that these things don't ever happen ever again. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, I mean, damn, people better wake the fuck up because, you know, in the song that Jesse Jett wrote uh, uh, about Lahaina that was played at the end at the credits, you know what I'm saying? Uh, he talks about it. You better wake up because pretty soon a fire will come for you and a fire will come for all of us unless we realize what we're up against and even if it is a natural occurrence, they're still going to do what they're going to do, whether it was something they planned or something that happened accidentally. So we do have to find a way to take our heads out of our ass. And I think that's also a big part about why I made this movie and why I'm not letting it go is because we have to follow this whole story because it's going to further expose those people. You know what I'm saying? The people working for those people and what they're trying to do. They don't give a damn about any of us. And they don't give a damn about the people of fucking Lahaina. You know, one of the Red Cross programs has already ended that houses people. And the reason why they're saying that people have to leave these hotel rooms and whatnot. And and of course, they float out there that there's a lot of illegal immigrants, they say, that were taking a lot of these hotels. So what do a lot of other people say? Well, they're illegal. They don't deserve the hotels anyways. Right. But then you have a lot of people who, you know, are citizens of this country that don't have the proper paperwork to stay 
and have Red Cross or or FEMA or the state extend their their stay in these places because guess what? The paperwork that they needed was in their house and it's burnt up and it's just crazy. They don't give a damn about what these they want these people to go to the mainland to be slave laborers over there. They don't want them in Lahaina anymore. And it's obvious they've they've showed that hand. They haven't said it out loud. But if you go there, you speak to the citizens, you see the lack of transparency, you see the willingness to hide their sins and their and their and their criminal their crimes, they're criminals. You'll understand that they don't give a damn about these people right there. And we have to come together somehow to say, uh-uh, enough is enough. And think about this too, Eric. We've given like 150 billion to Ukraine. And this is something that all the citizens, it would take like five to six billion to rebuild all those houses in Lahaina. A little small part, but what do they offer them? $700 per household. Hey, that's what you get from me. Yeah, it's like a junk car. That's what a junk car is worth. Um, when someone paid off the mortgage, uh, the $300,000 mortgage for 30 fucking years, here's 700 bucks. Fuck you. I know. Um, Fuck. The system just induces just like suicidal insecurity. Like the guy in the surf shop, I think, was like the that that part of the documentary hit me the most because it's like his whole thing was tourism surf shop. He may have got he was fucked for covid for two years. Finally, it seems like he got like six months back on his feet and then the whole thing's burnt down. It was just, and he was just walking around that open air market that the um, locals set up to help each other um because they're not getting help from the fucking red cross or anything so they they organize they just see the need of the people that's all they think about and they self-organize this free store and he's just walking around here well i live here that's where i live what yeah. what am i gonna do and it's just like his whole life is taken away that, right? huh yeah i i forgot to mention too i just want to say that is that you know when you were just getting a little emotional there and talking about the people that is one thing, and it is kind of sometimes a shame that it has to have a crisis for people to come together. But, you know, and I've been to seven Latin American countries in the last three years, and I've witnessed five elections in those countries. You know, and most of these countries have a better uh, representation of, of democracy than we do have in the United States, especially when it comes to their elections. But putting that aside, a lot of these governments I witness are collective governments coming together for the greater good when it's necessary because the United States empire has their boot on their neck. I never witnessed anything like I witnessed in Hawaii with these people coming together, the people of Lahaina, the people of Maui, you know, the indigenous, the locals, the Haoles, which are us, the white people coming together and saying, fuck it. We're not getting help from the government. We're not getting help from these NGOs. We'll come together and help each other. That was something that was just fascinating. But, Eric, all these type of mutual aid groups and these people coming together, you know the state is not going to want them to continue to do business because that's finances they can get for themselves. Just like when The Rock and Oprah started their own foundation or whatever, it was a group. It was an NGO that was going to have a president, employees, and people who were going to soak up that money before it even got to the people, right? So they don't want these people to keep doing what they're doing. So what are they going to do? They're going to splinter them. And you can see that like these people are already on edge when they're running these mutual aid camps. Well, they're going to send their little minions in. They're going to send their people in. They're going to try to divide those groups, and they're going to try to have them shut down. And those things are – that's why I think I'm going back to Lahaina sooner than later because you can already see there was one state representative in Hawaii that wanted the, the governor to sign an emergency proclamation which gave them power to shut down these GoFundMes, give send-goes, and other forms of finances stating – that they have dishonest actors out there. So they're going to use a dishonest actor to use it to overshadow the positive actors, the good players in this thing here, and eventually shut them down. And that's what they're trying to do right now as we speak. You know, I asked Capono from the Hanakawai Park, uh, which was in one of the mutual aid camps. I said, how long do you guys plan on being open? He goes, for as long as it takes, man, for as long as it takes. Now they shut down a lot of these hotel rooms and kick people out. People are going to need that help more than ever, more than ever right now. And what is the state going to do? It's going to try to shut them down because they don't want people on that. They don't want those people on the island. They have no need for them now. They don't have no need for the, a lot of those poor people. You know what I'm saying? Get them out of here. Set up your 15-minute smart city and then move a whole bunch of you know uh, 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 cheap workers in, into the island when you're ready. That's what they want. They don't want those people who have 
Land rights staying there now. They want them gone. And it's just disgusting to me. Like, how did, why do they get to decide? <laughs> like, I thought we were free people and we could, you know, the people have lived there and they, they wanted that house. And the, the, the controllers are like, no, you go there and you go there. Bye for now. It's like, not everything's a fucking spreadsheet. Not everything is like, uh, you know, I don't know. These people are so no, dumb. No, you do know, but that's the, you just hit it on the nose, Eric. We were never free. We never owned a house. We just owned the paperwork. The bank owned the house, right? We, we, we were never, ever free, and that's what people have. We, have. we have owners, and they own us, like George Carlin said. And it's, it's never been more evident. It's never been more clear. People have to understand this. There is a ruling class that doesn't give a damn about any of us. White, black, Puerto Rican, or Chinese, they do not care. They want us gone. They think there's too many of us here, and they'll move us around and put us in places while they hog and keep all the resources to themselves. We have to get that through our heads right now, and Lahaina shines a light on that more than ever. Yeah. Um, I want to tell you a little story that my dad told me. Um, so there was a, a place in Hawaii. I think it was on Kauai. And the the certain uh, waterfall created a rainbow. So the locals called it Rainbow Falls. And then Marriott or Hilton created a Rainbow Falls Marriott. The the building blocked the sun, which disabled the rainbow. So then it was just a brand. Then, then they were like... Um, Kuwai Marriott, just a brand, a rebranding problem there. Not everything's a fucking spreadsheet, you fucking lizards. To um, them it is. Was, <laughs> but I didn't know. So Lizard, we got to get the glasses. Put them on. <laughs> they live. Um, They're lizards. <laughs> the, the Lahaina or, you know, Maui is like a circle. I've been there. So like half of it was destroyed and the other half was left untouched. Is that about right? No, it's like when you go to West Maui, which is where Lahaina is, the west-south part of the island, uh, and a lot of that area is over there as dry as can be. It just is dry, dry, dry. But when you go to Hana and you go to east, the northeast part of the, the island, it's wet, it's moist, it's green. You know what I'm saying? It's a rainforest. And that's the thing that makes you kind of you know scratch your head. When I was at the Lahaina baseball field, right when I got off the plane, I went to a Lahaina community center. They were having a meeting. And I just look behind me and I look in the directions towards Hana and you can see the clouds on the mountain. It's one of the wettest places on earth. And then you're looking at Lahaina and it's so dry and brown. And when you're looking at it, let me tell you something, Eric. When you look at the hole from, from above where Front Street is and you see where a lot of these houses have been destroyed, it looks like a bomb was dropped. It looks like the pictures they showed me of uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. It is just scary. And you just scratch your head and you go... How could this have happened? There's so much moisture, there's so much wetness, there's so much water right over there, and over here is as dry as can be. So it just makes you understand that there was a bigger part in this whole situation and why the conditions were let go and, and why the conditions were the way they were. It's just, I don't know. You know, it, mm. uh, Like I said, the Israeli-Palestinian situation that happened last week and uh, that happened over the weekend, like they were saying, oh, they let this happen. I'm like, wait, you know how many missiles they had? They said they fired over 5,000 rockets. They had to be acquiring those for quite some time, you know, and had those in place. And then the people who, you know, broke through the wall and went over, what about their mindset? How do you curate them to do this? It looked like a prison break. So this is something that was set in motion a long time ago. And that's why I have a hard time believing that these are just all controlled situations. Sometimes they feel that it's a part of these when it comes to Lahaina, when it comes to Israeli-Palestine situation, that there is something natural about this, that it's, it, it was bound to happen. Oh, you let this area get so dry over, the, over years and years and years. You had a fire in 2018. You didn't do anything. You didn't make any changes to let this happen. That was five years ago. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's It's... Like I said, I'm fishing, and my mind always lands up. It's somewhere in between of that natural disaster, inevitable situation, planned situation, uh, masters of the universe doing what they're doing, pulling the strings. I'm somewhere in between there. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, well, and, maybe. And that's uh -huh. where I am when it comes to Israel-Palestine. That's where I am with this situation. Go ahead, buddy. 
Well, maybe I'm just uh, more on that side because, like, uh, you know, Klaus Schwab Jr. always comes over. He's going to come over today, um, you know, near the end of the show. But and pasta, I don't want to be rude, but I'm, when he shows up, I'm out of here because I can't even stand the guy. Okay. I know he's going to leave blood all, all over my house and just like he, he'll like cut animals in half and leave them in my bed like three days before i know he's coming so uh if i hear a spaceship on on the roof i'm gonna leave but um speaking of adrenochrome that the elites drink you know it's a pretty good alternative if you're a poor coconut water um it, it's Ooh. perfect nutrition um you hung out with a guy who knows how old he is could have been 30 could have been 70 Drinks coconut juice all all day. He climbs up coconut trees, gets coconut juice. What went through your body after you after you had a sip right from that coconut? So good. And that was the second time I drank a coconut. The other coconut water. The other time happened to be a dude who was watching the Jimmy Dore show. And after I'm done drinking it, and uh, my camera guy, and you probably met the camera guy because we met him at Rebel for a Cause. His name is George Dawson. Uh, yeah, and yeah, he's I just know an that awesome guy. dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That we met at Rebels for a Cause, and now we're working together. I think it's amazing because the guy he works for uh, or works with does the does that debate show, and I can't stand that dude. <laughs> Andrew, his name is like we had a we had an argument, and I was like, I I can't even stand this dude. Uh, and that's probably because like you know he has a debate show and he wants to win a debate. If I have a debate, I want to either learn something or have that other person learn something from my perspective. Mm. So I look at those things. Totally different. And I have no hate for the guy. But anyways, um, we were filming at this other place where I bought a shirt. I bought a Hawaiian shirt from a thrift store. It was like when the only things I bought, I had to buy one Hawaiian shirt. And I wanted to buy it from a local business, so I did so. Uh, but I drank a coconut water there, and it was a dude who was watching Jimmy Dore show. And after I drank the coconut water, he's like, oh, dude, your pasta. I'm like, yeah, you guys, I've been watching your stuff from Jimmy Dore. And then we started talking. But holy cow, man, Like that's something I would like to do on the reg. Uh, Eric, just drink coconut water because it just feels so freaking good. A lot of those coconuts don't even touch the ground by the time they're cut off and you drink them. You know what I'm saying? It's it's like this kind of like real holy water, and it was pretty fucking amazing. It was the second time I drank a coconut water. And also I drank a third one off, off camera after I had some of that pepper because I had this hot pepper with some of the, the ribs the dude was making. And dude, I was like, I need another coconut water. But it is just from a coat i mean if go to maui if anybody goes to maui that's the first I, I i'm next time i go there i'm trying i'm gonna try the over under if i go uh for for i'm gonna try to drink two a day so if i go for five days i'm gonna try to drink 10 coconuts that's my goal next time because it really is that special and it really is that tasty how old was that guy who was climbing the trees and cutting it morgan was 67 yeah i think why did he look 30 yeah. oh dude he's been like that dude's got an amazing story i don't want to talk about it but he's he was my contact he's a guy who's followed my show for quite some time he's been a mentor of mine uh we agree on so many different things he's the one who got me into a lot of other you know tinfoil hat conspiracy things to look at so he was one of my connections on the island but yeah he's like 60 something odd years old and he was able to climb up that fucking thing he's got a body like hercules um just an awesome dude, man. Just an awesome fucking dude. And I speak with him. Uh, I was texting with him last night. So, I mean, it was great to go out there. And that was something I've been trying to do, too, as well. You know, I mean, obviously, Eric, you know, we're we're in a business. We run a business, me and you, and we have to treat it like a business. So with Fiorella going to Moscow and me now partially working for Jimmy Dore, a lot of our showtime that we had for the Convo Couch, it's a demonetized YouTube channel. We were thinking we have to kind of come out of this and kind of evolved to something else and you know a friend of mine gave me some advice she's like you went to seven latin american countries we didn't see the food you ate we didn't see where you bought the shirts we didn't see any of that stuff could you show us that so i've been trying to evolve into this kind of like boots on the ground anthony bourdainish you know show my personality show my character so people become emotionally invested in me they like me they understand me and i can also show the places i go to the culture i I'm experienced, you know what I'm saying? So I've tried to show that aspect in Lahaina on Fire. It was the first time I ever tried to do it. You know, in fact, there was a scene that we were thinking about cutting out is when he cut the coconuts down and he said, can you grab them? And I grabbed them and I said, these nuts. <laughs> like we had that cut out at first. And I'm like, no, let's put it in there because it really shows my 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 
comedy side, my funny side, my loving side. Uh, it shows my character. Let's leave that in there. So I'm trying to show that through these films. I got a Nicaragua video that's coming out that I did just on my, 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 my iPhone. I'm going to do some uh, narrating like Anthony Bourdain did, but that's where I'm moving. That's where I'm evolving when it comes to my work. When I go to a place, I'm going to try to show that aspect of, you know, myself. Yeah, you were being silly. It was fun. Um, uh, I got I got a tinfoil hat uh, conspiracy. I want to I want to drop by you. So New York City declared itself a sanctuary city. And then uh, the Soros Foundation bust in a bunch of uh, migrants um, and then they get housed by the overwhelmed. The the city of New York is being overwhelmed to house for 60 days at a clip in a hotel. This flood of migrants. Right. It then the city just flooded. So it's like, what do we do with all these migrants? Well, plausible deniability. If they were living on the street and there was a flood and they were washed in the ocean, it wouldn't know. It wouldn't know. That's my, that's my name. Do you see that? Like I've lived in Manhattan before. And when I look at the flood map, it's like, Jesus Christ, that's where all the migrants were. Well, let me say this because I have a different kind of view on when it comes to the migrants there. Right. A lot of people. And, you know, there was somebody I, I try to I met at the uh, at Rebels for Cause. Uh, he hasn't returned my taxes lately. I hope he's still cool with me. But I had him on my show and we talked about this, you know, because this is a big thing when it comes to a lot of the populist right about the migrants coming and attack on our border. They're overwhelming our system. But nobody wants to talk about why they come. Right. Nobody wants to talk about the hundred bases we have now in Latin America where it's an occupation, Eric. It's not a base just there in Guatemala. It's not just a base in Honduras. It's not just six bases in Colombia. It's uh, an occupation. And we make sure that we turn those countries into shit. We want to do that so we can extract all the resources, the corporations, the, the fascist corporations, the fascist global corporations want to make sure they extract all the resources for pennies on the dollar, put these murder death squads in charge, turning these countries into shit, uh, also making sure that they have our currency as their main currency there, you know, our money, our monetary system, they're, 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 uh, they're subjugated to it of sorts. And therefore, they come looking for their shit, come looking for their resources and their jobs. So I think that's not talked about enough. So when you talk about the migrants, maybe I don't know what happened to them if they just went somewhere or, or they went looking for jobs because the majority of those people who are coming in, I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, I get it that we need to have a, we have to understand who's coming into our country, but I know the majority of those people are just loving people that want to find work so they can send back home and, and feed their families. And, you know, where they live is a hellhole because we made it a hellhole, United States foreign policy. So that's never talked upon. And I talked about that with Sean on the show, and I talked about that with a lot of conservatives, that we have uh, our foreign policy, the United States foreign policy, has the biggest uh, brunt to bear because it's our foreign policy which causes the mass migration to the southern border. Mm. yeah i know it's like we just uh, we caused this war then we just watched on on the map the migrants flee out there it's like i, I played sim city before you know you could yeah. be a, a good ruler or you could be a crazy person <laughs> oh speaking of speaking of which i i'm sorry uh pasta i just heard you gotta go well, yeah, I just heard a UFO land uh, on my roof. Um, yeah. I, I send you this on email. I want to play this uh, while I leave and Klaus comes in. Um, the, speaking of the space laser, speaking of this and that, different conspiracies, this guy all of a sudden appeared on TikTok. And um, his full testimony I saw on other social media, but I, I think it's banned from YouTube. But YouTube did allow like a 50 second clip of this guy from the South Pole working at a DEW facility. And he has said this, and I'm gonna share my screen uh, like this. And okay, this is it. Can you see this pasta? I can see a black screen. Oh, there it is. I got it. Good. Yeah. So I'm gonna play this and, guy. And it was great doing the show with you. I'll, I'll keep Klaus Jr. occupied. In, okay in, yeah you know, I'm, hey thanks for doing the show it's just like i can't stand that fucking guy uh he's a psycho I yeah i just got to get out of here all right but i'm gonna play all this right. real quick i physically okay. held a key that opened every single door in the facility i had complete access to every compartment they manufactured what are you going to say that 
there are technologies at the South Pole Station that people can't even consider that exist on this planet. Directed energy weapon systems is something that people need to get into their vocabulary fast. The Ice Cube Neutrino Detector is not simply a passive listening device as presented for the science that they're claiming it to do. It also has the capacity to transmit. There are embedded in the ice what are called digital optical modules, DOMs. They're about the size of a basketball. The array embedded in the ice is one kilometer by one kilometer by one kilometer. It is the world's largest telescope. And now because we have proven that it can transmit, it's the world's largest directed energy weapons system. It is responsible for the earthquakes in Christchurch, New Zealand. Hello, my slaves. Good to see you. Yes, we made the Christchurch uh, earthquakes. You're welcome. Um, so just a lot of uh, people have asked me questions about the microchip implantation. Let me explain this. It's always the same plan. You know, in Auschwitz time, we had this great thing with the tattoo. Oh, you're a slave 4851. Go to building four to make shoes. Oh, it's very efficient. Oh, you're a slave 426. You make the shells over there. Very efficient. Very great. The first IBM computer was this. Melinda Watson, Bill Gates, anyway. Um, but then we put the microchip from the arm to the telephone. Oh, you have a photo we don't like. Delete it. But if we have this from your wrist to your palm, we own you forever. Anyway, any questions, Dr. Pasta? Good to see you. I know you had Great to, to see you, Pasta Jr. Yeah, you hung um, out with my loser in the green room. I was like, why are you speaking with this? You know, losers contagious, you know. <laughs> well, I have to, you know, take that into consideration next time he asks me to do a show. Uh, but I didn't want it to be rude, Mr. Junior. Um, do you think you had a lot anything to do also with the, the Turkey earthquake, too, as well? Because a lot of people said they were very suspicious that there was nine or ten uh, other embassies that were evacuated several days before that earthquake. Did you have something to do with that as well, Mr. Okay, Junior? well, you know, I guess sometimes I get blamed for something just because I make orgy in a DEW facility. You know, Hunter Biden and I, we went in to the HARP facilities, a high-altitude oral research projection, and we were making drugs, and there was, like, a midget and the donkey and, like, the, the stripper. And, um, you know, it's like, I remember in Hunter Biden, and I would go to Council Foreign Relations, he would be on the Ritalin, he would take his clothes off in the elevator and press all the buttons, and when he gets in the facility, he, he kind of, like, he, that's what he makes. <laughs> so what else do we have to look forward to, Mr. Junior, coming? I mean, was the Israeli-Palestine situation a controlled situation? Or did that just naturally have happen for 50 years of, you know, uh, more than 50 years of, of uh, occupation and being locked in, you know, in a highly dense area with 2 million people, um, with a blockade for 17 years, cutting off their food, water, electricity, all that stuff. Is it something just a natural occurrence where there was a Palestinian resistance or was this something controlled to get us closer to what you always talk about? What the, the fourth industrial revolution? Mr. Yeah, Rob? the force, the force. <clears throat> no, you said it. Yeah, the fourth industrial revolution. Yes. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. We have the rebranding issue. Um so, yes, it's a strategy of tension for making because people are lazy. Oh, people are slaves. They are slobs. They will just, if you give them a television and beers, they will not leave the house. You need tension. You need them to have reason for Boner to get up every morning. So if you give them an enemy right across, the, then they make the products for you. Very good for us. Great for us. And um, so, yes, when it's like, this team bad. This is just like football, red versus blue. They you you put constant propaganda, and then this and the lizards they will just fly above in the UFO, and they will be like, "That's interesting, delicious." Your anger, you know, and they will feed from this. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean. Um, I, <clears throat> speaking of Hunter Biden, we have a really good. We I know we made pr promise for that we would uh, wipe out the student loans. Um, and so I was with uh, Hunter Biden in the White House 
uh, on the cocaine orgy times in the Abraham Lincoln bedroom, for example. And he mm -hmm. let slip. We have a great new policy. If your house was made for liquidations and your family has passed away for the Lahaina uh, fire and you were made murder mm -hmm. for, your loans are wiped. Don't worry about them. So we are really nice like this. Oh, you're awesome. <laughs> I love Mr. Junior, you are great. You are much kinder than your father. And I'm glad to see that when he, he leaves this planet, I don't know how much longer he lives here. I think the lizards can live for like 200 years, but uh, or the adrenochrome will keep him going. But I think that everybody can be, you know, can rest assured that you will be more than qualified when you take the reins. And I like that. Yeah, I got here. I got this badge for doing something very naughty, and I got this one for killing everybody who covering it up. So yes, I have earned my stripes the hard way. Anyway, <laughs> and yes, and now we have coconut access to Lahaina, and we will. Um, but the locals require too much money for this, so we will. Bus in uh, pygmy warriors. They're really good at climbing. The little pygmy peoples. And you could put like four, six in a box and we will ship them to Lahaina to get our coconuts for us because we don't want to, you know, it's dangerous to make climbings like this. So yeah. he was, yeah, so, yeah, so Klaus, my father will probably live to be like 140 because of his diet is adrenochrome and coconut water from now on. <laughs> that's a great diet, adrenochrome and coconut water. Oh, that's, they should bottle that. What would they call that? Maybe you should market something there, you know? I mean, you guys yeah. are working on your marketing. Maybe your mindset's there. Like a Bloody Mary kind of thing. I don't know. We could spitball about this. Bloody, Bloody Sammy. I don't know. Um, <laughs> anyway, I will be in Los Angeles for in April of 2024 for you. I have um, meetings to go to. Well... Mr. Klaus Schwab Jr., that is my birthday in April. Maybe we can go out and uh, get mm. some fresh adrenochrome and have a good time together. Maybe you yeah. can show me all, like, all the like, stuff you love to do on my birthday. Yeah, we'll rent a car. We'll take the plates off, and then we will go to neighborhoods where they make neglections, neglectings of their kinder, and then we can uh, just bring a little chloroform, like old school, like puts the bag over the head, old school. No, this is fun. Hunter and I makes this. It's so fun. Anyway, um, um, well, good to see you. Uh, I think uh, I have to go because I have to make uh, terrorize, terrorizings of the loser that lives here. It's very fun. I have to find him. Um, but uh, he's probably wherever the fat girls are. So there's like a saloon. Up. I think he's probably trying to wrangle fat girl from the Longhorn Saloon up the street. Um, so I will probably well, go him. easy on him because I like fat girls, too. So. Yeah, so yeah, it's all it's fun until they break his IKEA mattress. Fucking loser. <laughs> okay, thank you for coming for the show now, times Doctor Pasta. Thank you, Klaus Schwab Jr. And please, uh, you know, I'll make sure I mention you on the Jimmy Dore show, or at least your father. I'll talk about him here and there. Uh, but you guys are doing great work for the oh, globalists. Oh, thank you. And, uh, I think that's thank awesome. You. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. We were making good work. Goodbye for now.